0: Find ways to dissolve the false polarity of life and work. There is no human being that can put their life clock on pause as they go to work. This is their life.
1: Welcome to the Bragworthy Culture Podcast, where founders and business leaders talk about how they built a company culture that is so incredible, their employees brag about it. Our show aims to inspire you as you build a bragworthy culture of your own. Culture building is philosophical and practical, and you'll find both discussed here. Grab a pen and a notebook. We're about to drop some knowledge. This episode is brought to you by Fringe, the number one employee lifestyle and fringe benefits platform. With Fringe, you can empower employees with lifestyle benefits that can be personalized to reduce stress, give back time, and spark joy. Fringe, benefits for life. Contact us and find out more at fringe.us. Here's your host, Jordan Peace.
2: Welcome back to Bragworthy Culture. This is your host, Jordan Peace. And today we're fortunate to be with Pamela Mattson. Pamela is with Outreach. She's the Senior VP of People and Organizational Development. And she's going to tell us all about what that means in just a minute. But Pamela, really excited to have you here. Thanks for being here today.
0: Happy to be
2: here, Jordan. Thanks for having me. Awesome. So maybe first, before we get into outreach, let's just talk about you. So how did you come to be the senior VP of people in organizational development? Just from a career track you know, standpoint, is this the dream job? How did we get to the dream job if it is? I'd just love to hear a little bit of your story before we start talking about your company.
0: It's such a great question. I feel really fortunate that if you had asked me at my prior role and my prior role before that, whether I was in my dream job, my answer would have been yes. My personal purpose is to bring the human being back to business. There's a lot of human doing, so dissolving that false polarity between human doing and human being. I like to call it right now, high tech meets high human, and to stop the swinging the pendulum in between. So I was a culture consultant, so I spent many, many years helping organizations close the gap between who they declared themselves to be and who they truly were living and breathing in what is now the virtual hallways of business. So, for example, if a pharmaceutical company who's focused on pharmaceutical innovation declared themselves to be innovative, hard to do that if you have a 14-year life cycle of a product. I was recruited to lead uh, executive development for Amazon globally during a rapid growth moment when I joined 150,000 employees when I left 1.3 million. So, curating and codifying what was core, common, and consistent across Amazon is a hard thing to do. It's an umbrella of 10,000 startups. So, I think especially codifying what it means to be a startup company at that scale. How do you scale leaders as fast as their jobs are scaling? So startup culture has been a part of my purview, interest, passion area. And so when I had the opportunity, so yes, it's my dream job, to (laughs) contribute to building a startup culture from scratch that was human-centered and inclusive, I jumped at the chance.
2: I'm sure you did. Yeah. That, I mean, it's, it's so much easier, I would imagine, and, and much more within your control to start at the beginning than to try to unravel what's already there and rebuild in somewhat more genuine way. That's whew, I can't imagine what that was like at Amazon or anywhere at that scale. That's, that's an incredibly tough job. Well, congrats on this role and congrats on being in your dream job. And from what I can see just online and looking through the website and LinkedIn, etc. you seem to have a really thriving culture and one where employees are really proud to be there. So let's talk about outreach. I mean, I could sit here and read a description of the company, but maybe better for you to share what does outreach do? And then more importantly, what is it like to work there? What is the human being side of things when it comes to outreach?
0: So Outreach is a sales execution platform. So we're closing the sales execution gap, everything from the routine things that a salesperson has to do. And so imagine if you didn't have to take action items or you didn't have to remember how you differentiated yourself between a competitor or, or this particular feature it was all served up to you in an AI platform. It reduces the cognitive load and emotional load for a salesperson so they can be totally present. So AI helping humans be better humans in a sales platform, but it also includes deal help and voice integration. So it's basically, if I could say it in short, outreach closes the sales execution gap using AI to drive better sales execution. From a cultural standpoint, our CEO actually was the number three employee at AWS. So t- wildly aligned from a cultural perception of high performance, bias for action, all the things that Amazon's known for. And he what he wanted to build in this company and outreach was with a healthy side of got your back, literally got your back. He wanted grit, but to talk about grit from a collective grit standpoint, not heroes, not just individual grit, but the collective grit of the team, which means sometimes you're waxing, sometimes you're waning, and that's okay hands-on ownership when with customer so there's a transparency authenticity and it's not very eloquent but like super down-to-earth feel to the culture
2: yeah i love that because that's the one i mean i'm reading them here we take ownership you know we're always honest we're one with our customers which you just mentioned we have grit and perseverance i think the one that like strikes the heartstrings for me is we've got your back Just imagining myself as an employee, I'm like, that's the one that like, that gives me a lot of warm and fuzzies in a genuine way. How does that happen? Like, how do you, A, kind of know the needs of your people, meet the needs of the people, kind of assess whether or not that's being done in a way that feels human, feels genuine? I know it's a really tough question, but I love that. But like, how do you back up that backup, if you know what I mean?
0: Well, I don't want to say that got your back doesn't have pardon the pun backbone because it does because part of having your back is direction, protection, order, clarity, air cover, especially when you're taking a risk if you're in a stretch project or you're stretching your capability set. So your protected failure is welcomed from a learning standpoint. So there's all of that what you would expect got your back is it's like I got you Team members are absolutely supporting one another, celebrating successes, owning failures together, creating learning from those failures. But also, got your back includes some of the other values. Got your back is being honest with you in terms of constructive feedback. It's, I've got your back by saying what I see that you may not be seeing. And we've got a culture where you're asking for that and that you're excited when someone challenges you because that's unleashing the collective genius of the team. And you're not alone in either being right and taking a risk you know good luck with that. the team is holding it with you <laughs> and so it has teeth as well it's not just got your back soft protection it's got your back all of our eyes all of our hearts, all of our ears are listening for seeing and thinking about this problem with you
2: Having been in more than a few organizations and been an integral part of Culture building, and it was the phrase you used earlier that I loved almost like a culture vanguard, like a guardian. It's some, some <laughs> phrase you use that I love when we before we started recording. But being in that position for several companies over the course of time, how did these particular values shape their perspective on working and outreach? Like, what is it that they say back to you about their experience as a result of you guys living
0: out these values? Yeah. And the word that I think you were looking for was culture steward. So being a steward of culture. Yeah. So I love that. I think it's such a great challenge to talk about the values because it's an indicator of whether they're truly living and breathing, whether we're congruent with, like I said earlier, to to who we declare ourselves to be truly, is that true in the, the living hallways of the organization? So what people say back is, so let's just take the got your back piece. I can take more risks and stretch. I'm growing as a human being and in my craft because my colleagues have my back. I can take a risk. I can be honest with myself and with my team. And that means I can raise concerns that we don't have an unspoken agreement, that we don't talk about the problems. There's no safer place to talk about our issues, our weaknesses, our concerns, our risks than our own team. The competition's out there. This is not the competition. And I think that's hard for organizations, especially for cross collaborative work or dependencies across teams. One with customer, feeling the pain of your customers as if it's your own pain. That's pretty powerful to say we're looking, we're sitting in the seat. It's not just we're customer centric. No, I mean, anybody can say that. What does that (laughs) actually look like? And for outreach, I would say because we're a sales execution platform and we sell that sales execution platform using outreach. We're outreach on outreach. So we truly right. do <laughs> feel the pain of anything that is not up to par. Like we feel it first. So I think being it gives our employees a congruent experience of being who we say we are.
2: You know what's so cool as I hear you talk about that, that you're building courage within people, you're building empathy within people, and that's going to benefit outreach and that's going to benefit these individuals. But the other beneficiary is, and as we know, not everyone's going to stay forever. They're going to move on to other companies and they're going to change other companies as a result of growing in that courage and that empathy and these other qualities that you guys are building within them and they're helping build within themselves and each other. That's going to be a huge lift to someone else and then someone else and then someone else organizationally and the individuals within those organizations. So there's just this very cool spreading effect, you know, which I think is something that we... Probably fail to talk about a little bit. We always, you know, we talk about let's retain, 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 retain. And of course, we want to keep our people. We recruited them because we like them and we want to keep them, right? But realistically, we also want to send them well. And so it's just cool to hear about you're not just kind of loving on them, which is a fantastic thing to do, but you're also growing them into more mature and selfless people that they're gonna be a a benefit to many others as well. So it's just really, really neat to think about.
0: And we do talk about it that way. We talk about it as if, come and do some of the most pinnacle work of your career, grow as a human being, grow in your craft. Um, And for however long it makes sense for you. Great, we love that you're here, but we do know that the output, like people leaving outreach, I mean, of course we want them to stay, but we are realistic about the typical career span. And we want it totally. to be pinnacle for their career.
2: Yeah, totally. Some of them are going to start companies with similar values yes. and you do it all over yes. again. It's, a, it's an awesome thing to see. And it's one of the reasons why I'm doing this podcast. The whole point is to have great cultures come in and brag about how great their culture is to help them bring in great people, learn how to do all of that well, and then be sent out to create more great companies that are great places to work. I mean, that's kind of the whole point, And they're rising tide, lifting all boats. So I'm inspired just talking to you. So speaking of, and this is a, a difficult topic, but a very relevant topic, people are doing a lot of moving on right now involuntarily in a lot of companies. And you see every day another announcement about another layoff. And it's just a hard time. It's just a difficult time for companies to operate with all of the fear. We're either in a recession or there's so much fear of a recession that we're going to pull ourselves into one anyway. But either way, there's a great amount of fear, I'm sure, within every organization, with folks thinking, am I going to have a job next week or in two weeks? And when things are going well overall and in the macro and also in the micro of your organization, it's a lot easier to stick together and stick to our values and stick to that love right, for one another. But when things get a little scary, and I'm sure you've been through cycles like this before right, with other companies. So curious your take on, and not just your take for outreach, but your advice that you might give to other culture stewards on how to just navigate the next, who knows, six, eighteen 18 months.
0: I mean, I think you're right about the tendency and I have a lot of like, empathy and compassion for swinging the pendulum to cost consciousness necessary, being really honest with ourselves about what headcount or what projects can wait if they're not already inflate being responsible with travel, with events and things like that. So all of that's responsible recession planning or challenging market planning. It's a a responsible thing to do. The thing that I see in swinging that pendulum, imagine that you're holding on to a beautiful piece of yarn from a sweater that you've been knitting for many, 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 many months or years around your commitment to a human-centered organization, diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives marketing externally for your brand, whatever it is that you've done to support and promote your culture. My inclination is to hug the sweater and bring it with you or put it on and bring it with you. So when you need to go and do these things that are absolutely necessary and are, I would consider an expression of care for employees is to do the responsible recession planning and tightening, battening down the uh, the hatches, but to not undo what you've done. So doing it in a way that's transparent asking for everyone's help you know leaning into your values if you have a value of being one with customer some version of that or a value of being an owner some version of that it's everyone's responsibility to co-create job security and do more with less in a market like this but don't swing your pendulum so far without you know wearing your sweater because then you unravel so much of what you've worked hard to establish and you become incongruent one of the biggest risks of culture is incongruency. I'm saying one thing, I'm doing something else.
2: Right, yeah, the, the second you lose that authenticity, <laughs> nobody buys in anymore, yeah, right? Yeah, you just yeah. lost I all the trust. I can't hear what you're saying
0: it's, for what you're doing. I can't hear it, you know, it's yeah, just one of those things. Right,
2: can't hear it, that's well put. Well, I think it's fantastic advice and one of the things that you said, I think that's so important, it's all important, but one thing that I heard is this transparency because executives and companies, and I'm an executive in a company, we cannot control everything. You can't control the market. We can't control what a big customer might do someday, even though we're doing all the right things, whatever the case may be, we just cannot control market conditions and, and macro elements in our business. And to pretend that we can And to say, oh, everything's great, fine, we're perfect, we're growing, you know, like it's just disingenuous. It's not going to, in the end, it's going to bite you to feign confidence and to feign like we've got it all together. So I think it's just so important a little humility, a little bit of, hey, here's what's actually going on. Here's some transparent truth. And then when, if, when and if, and let's hope not. But you have to make some really hard decisions or worst case scenario, let people go, right? Lay people off like a many companies have. It's not this, how dare they? They're in their white tower, making decisions, counting money. Like Everyone was involved in the hardship that came about up front. I just... Thankfully, I'm not in that position now as a company, but you know, I'm at, There could be a day, and sort of trying to mentally prep myself as a CEO to go, okay, like, what should I share and when should I share it? If we're ever in that spot, you know. So,
0: and, and of course, you uh, have to be strategic about that. But you're exactly right that bringing people along so that they're in the strategic discussion with you it doesn't mean they're going to be behind all the closed door discussions, but it doesn't create that whiplash or that incongruency of. We've been in conversation about this. This is not a surprise and we're doing the best we can. And there's lots of uncertainty. Yeah,
2: absolutely. So not to stay in the darker recession conversation too long, because who knows, things could turn a corner and certainly not every company is going to suffer. So thinking about just the last 18 months, so not getting past COVID, but getting to a new stage where we're not doing everything we're doing as a result of COVID. We're doing everything we're doing, remote work and things like that, simply because things have shifted and changed seemingly in a very permanent way, right? In that time period, what have you guys changed about your approach to, it doesn't necessarily have to be directly culture, but benefits, policies, PTO, considering things like, four day work week and some of the other kind of hot topics that are out there right now. What are some of the things that have been sort of circulating in the room ideas, whether you've actually acted on them and maybe you should only talk about those for the sake of your people not getting too excited about something. But if you want to share something that has been considered and and set aside, that's cool too. But uh, just be curious kind of what you're thinking. You're obviously very thoughtful. Obviously you care about your people deeply and so must your executives. Otherwise, you guys wouldn't, write <laughs> mesh. And so what are you thinking about just in ways to help them in their life and their mental health and their struggles, whatever's going on, and those sort of got your back ways that are less about the nine to five?
0: Yeah, so I'll take it in a couple of like work streams because they're all interconnected, you know, all of these. So the working from home and onboarding remotely, working with a group of people you've never met, a company you've never set foot in, can trigger isolation. Everyone has a different family constellation. So you may not have that carved out office. I know we talked about that earlier. Some people are literally working in closets and some people are literally, you know, trying to shush the baby as they log on to an important customer call. So that has accelerated. I don't know if it's accelerated as much as it's put the conversation more on the table around mental health, well-being, mindfulness, and connection. So a lot of the things that we've done around how do we build connective tissue in a hybrid work world? How do we empower the person to do that's what's right for them? Meaning, for example, if they don't feel safe to come in, they're more productive at the office, how we can get how can we get people back to the office quickly for those folks that their home space is not conducive? How do we get how do we make room for those folks that don't feel safe coming in and surround themselves? Those were early days, but it brought about deep conversation around psychological safety, around inclusive leadership being about how you treat people who are in the room and then on Zoom. Totally different skill set, by the way. How do we talk about mental health at work without overstepping, but also bigger risk, understepping, seeing something, seeing someone suffer and not say anything. So building out learning and development conversations around that Doubling down on unconscious bias because we're doing all this interviewing remotely. We're longing for connection. So, guess how humans are designed? We're designed to like people like us. So, we had to double down on unconscious bias and inclusive hiring. We have unlimited time off. So, the PTO time is not an issue for us. Like, I don't see that as an issue. In fact, people, organizations that have unlimited time off often have to encourage time off. So, being forthcoming about Our executives talking about their vacations, posting pictures from their vacations. Our CEO using his paternity benefits, which included a night doula because sleep leads to sleep deprivation or lack of sleep. So we offer night doula services, things like that, where our executives are using it, showing that it's okay to do it. I think that's one thing. I would say that from a benefit standpoint, we also talk a lot about how do we support folks who are impacted by a lot of the legislative things that are happening. So I will say when we decided to open an office in Atlanta, that was an expression of concern around voter suppression and a commitment to reflecting diversity in that space. So I'm proud to say we're opening our Atlanta office this week and we are 51% exciting. Black, um, which is so exciting.
2: I'm sorry, I talked over you. What was that percentage again, Pamela? 51%. Oh my gosh, that is awesome.
0: Well, that (laughs) That reflects the metro Atlanta area and that's our commitment to reflect the communities in which we work. So I think it's about providing connection, talking about mental health, not making from on high sweeping rules and policies that feel disconnected from the individual experience and letting that be about teams, letting teams be empowered and letting individuals be empowered to say, what do you most need? during this difficult time.
2: Yeah, that's awesome. Very thoughtful answer. And I'm taking mental notes because I can't focus enough to write and talk and listen at the same time. But I will re-listen to this and take some physical notes. I always say, listeners have heard me say this before, I secretly just started this so that I could learn from people and to help run my company (laughs) better. (laughs) And it's working. So just we're kind of right up on time. But just to wrap up, I know that went fast, but just to wrap up, I love to ask just for some advice at the end for our listeners, many of which are kind of where you were a little bit ago, getting the culture, the values and all of that established, right? Like really recruiting your first people. And you guys have tons of people by now, but if you could think back, what are some common landmines when you're going from kind of founder only Then you transition to those first handful of hires that are just like desperate needs that you have. But then you get that funding round and it's like, okay, it's go time. Like we're going to hire dozens of people this year or whatever the number is or hundreds for some organization. What are the landmines in that position right there where you just things that you don't see, mistakes you might make, things that you think are communicated, but they're not actually communicated, they're just intrinsic and the new people are not going to pick up on it? Or what are those things that you've seen in this organization or any organization that are just problematic for most?
0: Well, I mentioned congruence before, so I'll I'll say that again in a number of more tactical ways. One is that if you declare yourself to be something, be it leadership principles, core values, what have you, make sure that that is embedded in the systems, symbols, and processes. By that, I mean, if you declare that to be the case, make sure it's not just engraved or on your banner of your website or engraved in your lobby or put with a mural in the lunch area, but that you can actually see it. We declare ourselves to be there. this, therefore, we are measuring success based on this and it's embedded with our performance management. And those who are being promoted or given more responsibility reflect those values, and they know it. They're told there's like candor and feedback around the congruence of those values. So articulating what they look like in action and inspecting your systems and processes and symbols for, if you could give me no voiceover, could I see your values in place? Even if I don't get the words quite, do I get the essence of it? That's one thing. And then this might sound a little counterintuitive, but I see a lot of people looking for culture. And that makes sense. From an intuitive standpoint, we want culture fit. So we're you know looking at these values, we're asking behavioral oriented questions. But I encourage people, and this is a pitfall that I see, to also look for culture ad. Who's not here? What perspectives, life experiences are not here that contribute to our innovative capital, our thought leadership capital? Another thing is when companies, especially younger companies start to grow up, they look to the big dogs. They look for a lot of pedigree. And with that pedigree comes a lot of expertise. And I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I just think sure. over-indexing on this can be a bad thing. It comes with a hard-earned culture anchor that can be hard to undo. So look for potential because in those early stages, you want grit and resilience over, I know exactly what to do and this is what we're going to do and I'm going to cut and paste my team from my prior organization here and. We'll just have different cultures. Congruence is everything. And I would leave you with this to say that find ways to dissolve the false polarity of life and work. There is no human being that can put their life clock on pause as they go to work. This is their life. So make it work. Make it worth it. Be a place where people say, yeah, this is a good place for me to spend a part of my life.
2: I love it. That's really great. I love the culture fit versus culture ad idea. And so it's one thing that I think another way that we get tripped up on that, that I've noticed is that when we say culture fit, we probably should be talking about values fit, that they actually read the values and agree with them. But, but then what we actually end up meaning is at worst, someone that looks and sounds like me at worst, at best, someone who thinks like me, which is also a problem. Because if we all agree on everything already, then there's nothing to learn from one another, regardless of the fact that we might look different or sound different or from different cities or socioeconomic backgrounds, if we're all sort of in one camp, whether that's socially or politically or whatever the case may be.
0: And we know that from our even our trusted personal board of directors, the people that we surround ourselves with, high performers. We like to be surrounded by people who, yes, have our back and are with us and support us, but our favorite people to be around are the people who tell us the truth, the people who challenge us, the people who see the best in us and bring that out. But they don't take our BS. They don't just buy it. You know, we want people around us who have an opinion. And there's a way to do that in the context of an organization as well.
2: That's exactly right. And there's the people in life that end up meaning the most to us. They don't just buy our BS and move on. They challenge <laughs> no. our, the truth tellers.
0: We want teams like that.
2: Yes. I mean, one of my very best friends who's also a co-founder with me, He, I've had more conflict with him than anyone on earth because he has challenged my BS more than anyone on earth. And that's why we're so close. It's because I've learned so much. Um, as a result of being challenged, though it might be painful sometimes. It's well, well worth it. Well, this has been awesome, Pamela. I kept you a little longer than I even intended, (laughs) but I still feel like we're just scratching the surface of all we could talk about. But I just wanted to say thank you so much for taking the time, jumping on the podcast, being really transparent and also quite wise and thoughtful, which is what I just love to put out there in the world is thoughtful perspectives on culture and not just pat answers and cheap articles and so it's really great stuff and i'm really thankful
0: it was a pleasure jordan and again this is a little window into my life and this matter so thank you
2: awesome yeah you felt like you were right in your wheelhouse that's for sure well thanks everyone for listening to bragworthy culture we'll catch you next time bye-bye
1: thank you for listening to the bragworthy culture podcast If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a five-star review and subscribe to enjoy future episodes. This episode is brought to you by Fringe, the number one employee lifestyle and fringe benefits platform. With Fringe, you can empower employees with lifestyle benefits that can be personalized to reduce stress, give back time, and spark joy. Fringe, benefits for life. Contact us and find out more at fringe.us.